Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to be diving straight into a new app with all of your favorite segments. So today we're chatting partial manifestations. What do you do when what you're manifesting is super close but not landing yet? We reco some reads for your bleed and bras for a big bust and we guess the natal chart of a spiritual guru. So I guess the best place to start here, Holt, is to catch the listeners up onto what we've been doing for the last, how long's it been? Four weeks? Four weeks. It's flown, first and foremost. It's definitely flown. It was a much needed break. It really was for yeah. both of us. How are you feeling coming back after the four weeks off? It's really weird looking at you. In I know. Face. Guys, we're actually staring directly at each other doing this weird eye gazing thing because I'm at George's house and I don't know where to look. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird. It's like doing one of those, um, yeah, eye gazing activities that you do in like a yoga retreat or like some like I need to like put that somewhere breaky like... bridge program. Yeah, <laughs> you are love. <laughs> it's like, we're trying to have a lighthearted podcast discussion. I think I'm going to have to look at the microphone hole. Okay, that's fine. I'm okay. not going to be offended. I'm just so distracted. <laughs> what was the question? Um, I think I was asking you how the break was. <laughs> You know, COVID got the best of both of us, really. Mm. Um, But I particularly started to feel this real um, separation from self. Totally. And it's really hard for me when that happens because self-awareness is such a big practice for me. Mm. So when I wasn't identifying with the self that I was, I was like, what is going on? And I really just practiced what we preach on the podcast. I was like, okay, I'm doing way too many things. Mm. What can I peel back from? Mm. And sorry, guys, but the middle was the first thing because yeah. it, it takes it takes a lot of energy to show up and do these episodes every week, doesn't well, it? Well, that's something that I really did realize as well, Jord, is just we had it every Friday morning. We'd show up and we'd do it first thing and it, it's, it's great and we love it, obviously. But at the same time, having the breather actually just allowed us to recalibrate and go, oh, like I, I could go to a Pilates class on a Friday morning, you know, or yeah. sleep in if I needed to. And yeah. it was nice to have that little bit of space. Yeah. And I mean, Holly and I talk to each other every day anyway. anyway so it wasn't like we were missing out on that but I'm sorry that you guys had to miss out on it but you don't anymore because we're back and we're better than ever <laughs> if we do say so ourselves <laughs> talking about this piece because we want to dive into manifestation but we'll get to that I'm curious about what you were saying in like feeling part of yourself lost and then finding yourself again yeah how did you go about that you said you practice what we preach but what specifically did you do John yeah I really kind of tried to do the things that I know usually pull me back from the edge. And a lot of those weren't working 
Yeah. So things like meditation, you know, going to a regular yoga class, um, you know, talking with my good friends on the phone, they were great. They were helping, but they, it wasn't enough. Mm. So I, um, I did a few things that I hadn't really done in a while. I had, um, a series of kinesiology sessions, which really kind of helped get to the root of what was going on. Yes. Um, I started seeing a psychologist weekly and I haven't done that since I was 18. And that was really helpful. Just some Mm. old school talk therapy. Amazing. Um, and I really, well, which we do talk about on the podcast a lot, but I really, really rested yeah. and was super gentle with myself. Yeah. And I talk about um, this concept of love yourself despite quite a bit. Yes. And it's like, even though there was a separation for self, I still managed to show up for myself and love myself every day. Totally. And it sounds so naff, but I honestly think that was the sort of stuff that got me through. Yeah. I also wasn't drinking alcohol. I was eating really well. Yeah. I was doing saunas regularly, like just recalibrating my system. And you did so well. And I really want to just commend you. I mean, that Thanks. sounds so patronizing. <laughs> I really want to commend you for it. Where is my medal? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like it's just being inspiring to see you take, uh, like it's this concept of radical self-responsibility to go. I've noticed this in myself. I need to do something different and you did and you went all in and now I'm sitting opposite the Jordana Levine that, you know, has always been there but just got lost along the way. Totally better than ever. I, I feel more like myself than I felt all year, which oh, is interesting. Isn't that a beautiful exhale as well to be like, finally. It really is. Yeah. And just to, I think the thing is we go along, especially with years like 2020 and it's a quite a slow process of losing yourself. Mm. But then you turn around one day and you go, what the fuck? How did I get here? Yeah. But if we can catch it in the moments that we're feeling a little bit lost or we're like, oh, this doesn't feel like a space that I want to spend time in, you know, if we're catching it along the way, then it's not so much of a big journey to get back. Exactly. And and the best part of this is reaching out for help from other people and not just your friends. Friends are great, but as you said, that wasn't enough for you. So seeking the help of qualified practitioners in their areas of expertise, I've seen how profound that has been in your experience. And I know through personal experience as well, I think a lot of the time we're like, oh, I have to get through this on my own and I have to really like ride the tough waves alone. It's like absolutely not. There are people that are schooled in holding space and having conversation with you for a reason. Yes. And I think the other piece is patience. Yeah. So it took, I mean, I know we've only been off the air for four weeks, but I've kind of been working on it for a while. But I think the, the most profound thing I did was kinesiology which we talk about a lot that had a big impact but the integration of it Mm. was three to four weeks I didn't just have sessions and then I was like I'm better you know so it's like you have to be patient with this work Mm. and also with the therapist as well it was uh, it was so funny because I was saying to Holly as I was having them every time I rocked up to a session over zoom I was having a really good day and Mm. I was like why am I here (laughs) and then we talk about stuff but it's the it's the talking it out and 
little pieces landing along the way that sometimes make an impact a few weeks later. Totally. And you realize in the talking out that there's emotional charge that you didn't realize in like the weird nuances or weird experiences. And that's why with the experts, they know what they're doing to bring those pieces out of you to go, yeah, you're showing up as fine in inverted commas, but are you really like, are you okay? Yeah. And also I think the other piece here that's really important, and this is why we wanted to talk about it is you don't have to be and you can be, and that's okay, but you don't have to be suffering from depression or severe anxiety or, you know, any of the other um, poster mental health issues. I mean, I wasn't suffering from any of those things. It was just this disconnection. So it doesn't matter what it is. Yes. If you're just not able to connect to self, that's enough to go, okay, I need to figure out a way to get back. It's such a good conversation to have, Joe, because I feel like, especially in the context of 2020, lots of people in our lives have been hit hard in certain ways. So when we have a moment of struggle, we do this thing where it's like, oh, but so-and-so has it worse or this person's had a way worse year than me or look at everyone in Victoria that are locked down and we're able to like be sitting in Byron Bay opposite each other so it almost like tells ourselves that our feelings aren't valid or warranted and it's exactly as you said if you're feeling a disconnect it doesn't actually matter why it's what can I do about that absolutely and in that respect one of the other things that I did was take myself off social media Mm. I could not go through the process of connecting back to self in a space that compares you with everybody else and you know it's as much as we love social media and we use it for our businesses and our livelihood and friendships and these things the undercurrent of comparison I just don't know how you can ever properly disconnect from it unless you're fully out like fully out no you can't yeah and the thing is like we know from our own lives but we also know from being privy to the lives of some of the people we follow is you are not getting an accurate representation of people at all at all it's been confronting in a way to watch the way some people have been um yeah presenting this life that is not necessarily the life that we know they're living. Yes. It's it's scary and dangerous. It's scary and dangerous, yeah. So that's why it's very important that if you do feel yourself falling into that trap, that you step back and think, okay, this isn't actually something worthy of comparing myself to because I don't know the accuracy of it. Yeah, even yeah. with what I post. And do you know what? I was reading a, a, a post the other day from um, someone that I follow and she's like, I've posted... 22 Instagram stories today and that's six minutes of my life and people think that they've seen my entire day and they know my entire life she's like you've literally seen six minutes so it really is just reminding yourself of that when you're seeing people living these amazing social media lives and going oh I've seen like a 20 second snippet of their day yeah exactly (laughs) so Holly did mention earlier in the episode that you are sitting on my couch with me in Byron Bay it's true I am and it is your second visit in a space of a month I know I'm tragic. The move is back on the cards and it's so exciting. Do you know what? It never was fully off the cards. And this is the conversation we're going to have about any manifestation is the reason that Trent and I parked the Byron move initially was you guys will know last year from August to December, we packed our house. We were telling everyone we're moving to Byron. It was going to happen. Trent left his job and it was all just, it just was going to happen. And then it didn't happen. Guys, I'm being really expressive with my hands and I can't, I can't handle it. (laughs) And Jules is losing it. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm sorry. We're working, we're working in a funny setup. We probably sound a bit tinny on this podcast because we're using the one mic. 
but I said to Holly, Holly, you can't move your hands because the mic will pick it up. And so as she's talking and being very gesticular, I'm like telling her to squeeze her hands together. And as she's holding her hands together, she's moving them around. Like I'm squeezing my hands in a fist and moving them up and down like I'm chopping some kind of invisible wood. Oh. What is that about it? It's a Gemini thing, right? The hand talking? Well, I think it's just, yeah, it is It is a Gemini thing, but it's also, I think it's just an expressive thing. I'm so passionate, guys, about this move. <laughs> That's the thing. Okay, I'm folding my arms in a tight embrace around my chest. Okay, so <laughs> please continue with the story. Thank you so much. So, we put the Byron move on the cards because we weren't. it wasn't working. You put it on hold. We put it on hold. Thank you so much. And it, do you know how hard it is to focus without moving my hands? It's well, a real problem. I know, but... Okay. I'm doing it. I'm okay. doing it. No, you it's look fine. great. Thank you so much. What, what she's actually doing is giving herself a big hug. It feels really nice. <laughs> so we put it on hold when it came to Christmas time. We're like, we just, we've got a beautiful home. Don't get me wrong. Like landlords, if you're listening to this, we're, we're sticking around forever. Um, but it's a beautiful home and we love it. it and it's, it's fine and it will do. So we had the conversation. We're like, let's just stick this out. And then obviously 2020 happened the fires and COVID and all of these things where we were so grateful for the home we're living in. And we still really are. And it wasn't until coming up on my birthday weekend that with Trenny and we were both like, Oh God, we've just got to be here. We're our better, we're our best selves. All of our friends are up here also. Well, I mean, not, not all of them, lots of beautiful friends in Sydney, but the friends that we spend a lot of time with, but we're all in similar stages of life, are all up here and we have the best weekend with you and with everyone. Okay, but the context of that very long story. <laughs> it wasn't even a good one. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little bit dusty. It's been four weeks. <laughs> the, um, the context of it was this idea of partial manifestation. Mm. So, you know, we talk a lot. Well, Holly and I both work in the field of manifestation and teaching it. And I think sometimes when things start to partially manifest. So by that, I mean, there's all the signs pointing to it happening. You know, you feel in full body alignment with it. Everything looks like it's headed that way. And then the actual manifestation doesn't take place. What does that mean? Totally. Well, it can mean a series of things. It can mean that something better is on the way. Mm -hmm. It can mean the timing's off. Mm -hmm. It can mean that it's not meant for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, well, I just am being treated by every single one of those things. So let's talk them out <laughs> in the context of this manifestation, because it's the truth. It's like, I, I always say the main thing is if it's not happening yet, those three things, it's not meant for you. And then I'm like, yeah, but I feel it in my bones that Byron is meant for me. Well, then that's not the one. Right. And then it's like, well, something better is coming. And then I'm like, well, what could possibly be better than living up here? And then what was the other one that we were saying? The timing. And that's the piece. And I feel that that's the piece in it's undercurrent for so many things. We're so impatient and it's like, yeah, but I want it now. And it's that entitlement as well. And when we really are in full trust and surrender and trusting in divine timing, it just, it doesn't mean that you're no longer attached to the manifestation. It just means that, yeah, you're in this space of trust it's such an integral piece of manifestation and it's the faith piece. So faith and trust. But I just, this word has dropped in for me so much over the last month, but particularly yesterday, 
this idea of patience. Yes. And I think especially you and I who can manifest things pretty fast, Mm. when things that are seemingly pointing towards something don't just drop, Mm. we get very impatient with it. Bang on. And I think patience is it's part of the faith piece for sure. Absolutely. And I think it's really important, especially in this context. The other thing I want to bring up around partial manifestations is this idea, and I've just had a mind blank. Hang on a second. What was I about to say? Oh, yeah. The other thing I want to bring up around partial manifestations, and I know you've been experiencing it with the Byron move, is when something you're trying to manifest is possibly being stuck by the stories that other people tell you. So, for example, the rental market in Byron at the moment is the most dire it's ever been. Locals can't get rental properties, let alone people moving from big cities. And everyone's moving out of the city and to Byron Bay, it seems. So there's families in Byron whose leases have ended and they haven't been able to get new rental properties. So they're camping in campsites with their children. Like, that's how bad it is. It's really bad. We've also got, I think, four... Um, film sets here at the moment there's two here now and there's two more coming so all of the studios have paid premium prices for accommodations for crew and Mm. talent but in saying all of that it's still possible to manifest but it's very hard to not get caught up in the minutiae of the story that's what it is it's this collective concentrated belief And how can you resonate at the energetic vibration of trust and surrender and faith and hope and all of the things that we know when everyone's going, oh, good luck with that. Yeah, but crazier things have happened. In both of our lives and in the lives of many people, and I'm sure our listeners, like the most wild manifestations can happen. We have no idea. We literally have no idea. 2020 is a prime example of us having no idea what's around the corner. Absolutely. Yeah. So the reason we kind of wanted to have this conversation, I think, is because I think we give up on certain manifestations too fast Yes. because there is this idea that sells books, although I did not make these claims and make it happen, but that sells books that you can manifest whatever you want straight away. Yeah. And it's like, no, sometimes you can't and sometimes it takes years. I've got intentions I've been working on for almost a decade totally and I'm not ready to give up on them yet yeah but they take time that's the piece and it was this piece that dropped in with me when we were applying for properties a couple of weeks ago and I was really telling myself oh it's fine either way like if we don't get them it's fine I trust and I surrender and I'm not attached and then I was like why am I actually sitting in that space and and shitting myself when it's like no I will be disappointed And it's okay to really want something. And if that thing doesn't come to fruition, being disappointed by that, you know what I mean? It's like this almost too cool nonchalance of whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And man, I would love to be in that space of non-attachment. But sometimes when you really, really want something, the other side of the coin is you might get disappointed in it not happening the way you want it to. And that's okay. And not being scared of disappointment. Like I think it's okay. As long as you are not protecting yourself by expecting to be disappointed. That's true. You just have to. I And this again, I think it's where the patience thing comes in. You can hold on as long as you're not gripping so tight with impatience. True. If you're holding on to it because it's important to you, but you're willing to wait and be patient and have faith that when it drops in, it's at the perfect time. Exactly. Then that's fine. Yeah. I've had, and we won't go into the details of it, but I've had something that, 
wasn't necessarily something I was trying to manifest, not an intention, but all the signs were pointing to it. Like signs were coming in left, right and center. And when it didn't turn into anything, it was just a bunch of signs. I was like, well, what is, what is the point of this? And so I let it go. I was like, okay, well, it was obviously nothing. And then the same signs or different signs pointing to the same thing started to come in thick and fast again. Totally. And so with things like that, you just have to, it's not about going, oh, these signs are redundant. These signs don't mean anything. It's like, I'm just going to be patient and wait to see what comes. Yeah, exactly. And there was this piece that I learned when I did uh, the cacao ceremonialist training, ceremonialist, God, that was a mouthful, training around you there's this confusion with intuition and knowing of like as soon as something lands you've got to act as soon as something lands you've got to do and I've taught that in the past but what we learned is that no be patient and wait because if you're questioning if there's any level of doubt or if it's not seeming to work out for you then there's something just off energetically and wait until the moment that it doesn't feel off anymore it's this waiting piece we're so uh, avert is it a verse? There's an aversion to waiting, um, which I can definitely relate to. And I feel like part of it is, well, we waited, it's been a year and come on now. But as you said, there are manifestations you've been working on for a decade and me too. Yeah. I think it's, we do live in a time of instant gratification Yeah, and it's realizing, or it's also realizing that there's lessons that need to be learned in order to be gifted whatever manifestation the universe decides to gift you with. Yeah, it's true. You know, and until all of those puzzle pieces have landed and all of those lessons have landed for you, and you might think you've learned them, but there's new ways to experience them. Yeah. Then, yeah, it might take a bit longer. It's interesting. It reminds me of the time that I, I thought that something that I really wanted at the time was to be a published author and all of the signs were pointing to it, all of the opportunities were coming up, wrote the proposal, pitched it, did all the things that was happening and then it didn't happen and gosh, in hindsight, was that huge lessons for me, huge stuff that I needed to unpack, lots of ego attached in my reasoning why and it actually was a really, really great thing to happen but at the time I was like woe is me, universe sent me all these signs and sent me on this path and then for what? And now I'm sitting two, three years later going, I know exactly why. So it really is um, holding on to hindsight as well and knowing that a couple of years from now, I know at least that Trini and I will look back and go, that's why. Absolutely. Yeah. I also think there's a piece in having a look at whether you are set up in terms of your psyche or your self-love levels or your self-care levels to receive the manifestation. Oh, such a good freaking chat. Yeah, because when I was thinking about the thing that all the signs were pointing to, when I look back at it, if it had dropped in at the time, I was not in a place to hold it if that dropped. No. And how disappointing would that have been if it hadn't worked out because of the space I was in? Exactly. This is where the energetic work is so important. And I did have a session, a kinesiology session last week, specifically around the Byron move and what came up, but lots of things came up. But one of the big things that came up is me having this story of, well, I already have an incredible life and I love where we're living now and it's all really, really good. So it's okay. And what we're working with is I'm allowed to live a big life, like in Bi- like living in Byron, it feels so soul aligned and on purpose and the bigness of that. My energy, even two weeks ago, wasn't ready to hold the bigness of that. So, but I didn't know I had to do the work to realize. 
So I guess on this note, if you know anyone who has a house in Byron Bay for Holly and her husband, uh, please do let us know. Slide on in. Thank you so much. So we've had a month off and you're not recommending a TV show. I know it's so weird. Do you know what I've been doing though? It's so embarrassing. I've actually been um, binging Gossip Girl again from the beginning. I love that. And I love it so much this time compared to the first time. What I love most about it is that they've all got flip phones. Like Gossip Girl communicated to them on flip phones. That is so funny. I only ever watched the first season. Really? Oh, it gets really, really good. I just love, I just, I... I just love it. I mean, I love that it's set in New York and I, I love watching bougie people. Like, it's my favourite. Well, we were going to do a Gossip Girl-esque natal chart, but we couldn't find anyone's rising signs. But guys, there are some hectic charts on that set. Yes. Jesus. Should we talk about them a little bit? Let's bring them up. Penn yeah. Badgley. So Penn Badgley, who plays... Um, Dan. Dan. How do I know that? That was so weird. <laughs> I had, you know, when you... um. I had a mind blank, but also when your voice has a blank. Yes. Yes. That was... It was a total blank. That was just a mini stroke. So Dan. So Dan, also star of Netflix series You. Oh. His entire chart is Scorpio. Scorpio Sun, Scorpio Moon, Scorpio Mercury, Scorpio Mars or Venus, one of the two. I, I think it was Venus. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Ed Westwick, who plays Chuck Bass, all Cancer. Cancer Sun, Cancer Moon, Cancer Mars. <laughs> So much water. So weird. So there were no rising signs for the Gossip Girl cast, unfortunately, guys. And this isn't celebrity natal chart. No. (laughs) Sorry. How did we get here? How did we get here? Let's go back to Recos. So this week, I'm actually recommending one book that I loved, but there's actually two books that have come out on the topic. And I think the other book would suit certain people. Cool. So... They are books about periods, and that's not really my jam. I think I've spoken about it on the potty before, but I don't love nonfiction books. Mm. I just never seem to finish them. They don't grip me. I like a page turner, and I read books for escapism, and I just just don't dig um, nonfiction. But the two books that I do have here are Period Queen by Lucy Peach and 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods by Claire Baker. Now, I was sent, actually, we should do a caveat. We were sent both of these books from the publishers, so I didn't buy them, but I was surprised by both of them. So the first one I want to talk about is Lucy Peach, Period Queen. It is so well written. Mm. People write to me all the time and say, oh my God, I love to make it happen. What are some other personal development books that are of the same sort of vein, like same conversational tone and are funny and And I go, I don't know. I don't know any. And that's why I wrote Make It Happen because it breaks out of that mold. Lucy Peach has a very similar writing style to me. We actually share the same publisher. I don't know if that's a sign. Um, But it's really easy to read. She's quite funny and witty. You feel like you're chatting to a friend. Um, And she really explains some things about our cycle that I didn't know. And now that I do, I feel like... Like, you know, there's so many, there's so much chat about following your cycle, but the way that Lucy explains it, she splits it into four parts and you've got the dream part of your cycle, the do part of your cycle, the give part of your cycle and the take part of your cycle. Mm. Energetically, it just really spoke to me. Mm. The most interesting fact I got out of this book was that men also go through a hormonal cycle, but their hormonal cycle is daily. 
so when they wake up in the morning, their testosterone levels are really high. Mm. And that's when I like to have sex first thing in the morning and like do a sport and go to the gym Get and sweaty. do all of that sort of stuff. And then their testosterone levels start to drop throughout the day. And then as they sleep, they start to rise again and they wake up with their high testosterone. So she was saying in the book, if you want to have a really heartfelt, deep and meaningful conversation with your male partner or your father or your brother or whoever it might be, have those conversations at night. It's a bloody game changer. Yeah, because their testosterone is low and they're a little bit more open to it. Oh my gosh, can we all do this just as a collective? And guys, it has to be a secret. Do not tell them. Yeah, don't tell them. That this is what we're doing. (laughs) It's a man hack. It's a hack. And then the other book, which is 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods by Claire Baker, also really great. Claire, you know, Claire is the, what do you call it? The expert on periods for sure. It's a little bit more, I imagine Virgos would love that book. It's sort of like bite-sized pieces of information. There's 50, there's kind of 50 pieces of bite-sized information that you could just flick in and out of, whereas Lucy's book is a little bit more of a story. Cool. But I think, you know, for the right person, the Claire Baker book would be great as well. Can I just love that we're in a day and age that there are multiple books on periods and it's just a normalized conversation? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I was actually interviewed on a period podcast the other day. So weird. So weird. Um, but one of the things she said to me is, what would you tell your, um, yourself like just after she'd gotten her first period? Mm. And I think, oh God, you know, like, and I'm still struggling with this at 36, but celebrating your bleed and it being something to be happy to receive Yes, because it was just such a like, oh, I was like, I hate it. It's such an inconvenience, you know? And it's like, I wish I knew the power of my period as a teenager. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for the young women of the world and the women we're going to hopefully bring into the world where it's like periods aren't even a taboo thing at all. You just openly talk about them. Yeah. So it's books like that that are doing that work, which yeah. makes me very happy. That's my record. What's your record, Holly? Well, guys, a lot can change in four weeks. And I know we never thought we'd see the day, but I am currently... A bra wearer. Yes, we've seen the day. I have received some incredible bras for a bigger bust, Jord. And honestly, I am a bralette, Bimbi Roy gal, or braless. But when it comes to winter and cooler months, it's hard to get around and actually look nice in your clothes if you're not supporting big boobs. Bras and things have just extended their range to beautiful bras for a bigger cup and I've been trialing them for about a week now oh my gosh I'm wearing them just even if I'm not leaving the house I'm wearing these bras it's wild I was saying to George guys like oh you can see my waist because like a bra actually lifts your boobs up and she's like yes Holly welcome to like the basic rules of having breasts (laughs) (laughs) so the two bras that I want to recommend for my bigger busted listeners but obviously all all listeners would whatever your size shape. It's just for a bigger bust, it's hard to find beautiful bras. The first one is the Pure Body Lace Full Cut Bra. I have it in ivory. It's a wonderful t-shirt bra. It has a low cut, so you still get a beautiful cleavage, but it's really, really supported. And that goes up to a size 18 E or F. So I'm in the 12 G, which I've never found a beautiful bra in that size before. And that second one is they've got a fashion times comfort so it's a fashion bra but also comfort range 
and I have it in black, but they also do it in nude. And it's just got beautiful lace embellishing and it feels quite sexy when you're wearing it. And it's got the matching underwear as well. This one also goes up to an 18F to G. So I just love any brand, especially when it comes to breasts that are size inclusive, that are diverse, their models are wonderful. And I'm just a big, big fan of price and things. Well, you know what Holly and I have been doing? Like every person we meet who we vaguely know or is a friend of a friend, like, what is to guess your celebrity? I mean, what is to guess your natal chart? And then we go, it's a segment we do in our podcast. <laughs> We've been doing it and it must be so annoying for people. People hate it, especially people that aren't interested. No, because then what we do is we see their chart and we go, oh, oh. <laughs> funny because the other night we had someone who was very interested like he was totally keen to know everything but then last night I introduced Holly to a couple of my friends who are not into this shit at all and he happened to know his sun sign but she said to him and what's your moon and rising and he looked at her like she was was a crazy person I was like I just assumed because you wanted Giovanna Levine's best friends you would know your moon and rising by now (laughs) he's like I need another glass of wine So today, Jordana Levine, you are guessing the celebrity natal chart of Deepak Chopra. Okay. I feel like this is an exciting one, but I feel like I'm definitely going to like categorize him into like the stereotypical spiritual guru signs. Well, I mean, he's, he's done it well. How old is he now? In his 70s, we looked it up. 74? Yeah. And yeah. he's had a very long standing career as a spiritual guru. This so. Okay, so look, the first two signs that come to mind are obviously Aquarius and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel quite a grounding energy to him. I find him very earthbound for someone that's so spiritual. Mm. Um, I want to come straight out and say I don't think there's any fire in him. No. Okay, so that's right? That's right. Okay, that's good. Um does he have a Pisces placement? Yes. Okay. Does he have an Aquarius placement? Yes. Oh my God, really? Yeah, you're like so good. Okay. Mm. Are there any double ups? No. Okay. There's a double element. Yeah, yeah, but not yeah. a double sign. Okay. I do want to say there's an earth sign in there, but I couldn't tell you which one it would be. And all I want to say is cancer, which is a water sign. Yeah, I was so confused for a second there. No to cancer, no to earth sign. Okay, so it's an air. Mm. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not Aquarius because we've already got Aquarius. Libra. Yes. Yeah, beautiful chart. Okay, so... I just want to say Aquarius Sun. No. Libra Rising. No. (laughs) Pisces Rising. Yes. Libra Sun. Yes. Aquarius Moon. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful chart? It's really nice. Double air water. It makes so much sense. He's living out his chart. Yeah. Which is really beautiful. Yeah. There's lots of compassion, lots of like spirituality. 
Although, I will say that his Mercury and his Venus are both in the same sign. Do you want to guess what that is? It adds a bit of spice to his chart. Sagittarius? Nah. Scorpio. Watery spice, yeah. Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And I mean, then, that also makes sense. You know, there's intensity and penetrativeness to him. And then his Mars is in Leo, so there is a bit of fire. There's actually no Earth in his chart. Really? Mm. I always think about, you know, I used to do those 20-day um, meditations with Deepak and Oprah. Yes. And, I mean, I always find Oprah really grounding as well, mm. also Aquarian. But I just, whenever he came on, it's like I could just drop into this earth state. What do you think that is? Because I have people in my life too that are super grounding but no earth in their chart. Um, I think, I do think, we've spoken about this before, but I do think that the way you were raised in your environment definitely impacts your personality. Of course. You know, so maybe if you were raised by earth parents. True. That's true. And if you have grounding practices in your day-to-day life and are actually looking at your energetic vibration, then that's what people are feeling as well. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I guess it's like saying, um, oh, well, you've got Capricorn in your chart, so you must be void of emotion. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly like saying that. But that's not the truth. But it's not the truth. Yeah. Or saying to an air sign, you know, oh, wait, no, no, this is better. Like saying to... And I've said this myself, like there's some writers who have no air in their chart. And I'm like, how do you write anything? It must be ghostwritten. Yeah. How do you communicate without air? But of course you can. And I don't have any water in my chart, like one cancer placement. And I cry a lot. You know? Yeah. It's those sorts of things. So interesting. Interesting. All right. So I feel like a good way to bring season three back would be to comment on the current season of The Bachelor. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We had a few people in the break say, I hope you're going to talk about The Bachelor when you come back on. Um, so we will. We will talk about it. Yeah. So this season has been gravely disappointing for me, personally. <laughs> it's I know when I'm not into something on TV when I have my phone and I'm scrolling and I find that more interesting than what's happening on TV. I think it's funny, like, from a production um, perspective, I feel like there's definitely new producers on this year. Mm. The Even just the layout of the episodes is very different, like whole episodes dedicated to cocktail parties. And I wonder if it's got something to do with the fact, like we're not enjoying it, but I wonder if they do get better ratings when it is this kind of bitchy back and forth between the women. Like maybe that's what works and they're like, well, let's dedicate whole episodes to it. I wonder if it is working for them. Like that that makes logical sense that that's a reason that they're doing this. But the more that women that I'm speaking to, and maybe it's testament to the women we surround ourselves with and I assume the women that we have listening to the podcasts, we're so bored of the bitchiness. We're so bored of women tearing one another down. And so it's like, it's just boring to watch. It, it's so boring. It's very tokenistic this oh, year as well. Oh, it's disgusting. I just... I can't handle it. What I am loving, though, is this new progression, and it just started last week, of them into lockdown. And I think it's exciting because it's never been done before. It's exciting because dating in COVID is a thing. Yeah. And I think it's bringing a new element to a series that we've seen time and time and time and time and time again. I agree with that. That's the piece that I've been looking forward to. But the main piece is like, okay, can we fast forward to the five, final five, where love is actually real, guys? I know, but do you think like, if you think back to other seasons, Holt, I think we have both said 
love the first episode where you get to meet everyone and then you just want to go to hometown visits. Like everything in between is boring. It's so true. It's boring. It's stale. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The other thing that I've recognized in myself only this time around, which baffles me is I'm looking at it going, is this what we've come to as women? fighting one another for a man's attention. It just felt very, I don't know. I was like, am I all of a sudden like deeply feminist? It is the premise of the show though. I know. I know. And, and I usually love that. How it's been set up. So I guess it's like, we, we all have a choice whether we want to watch it or not. I know. And I like to watch it. I like to watch it from a perspective, well, from an entertainment perspective, definitely. Mm. I love the psychology of the show. Yeah. And I do always hope that they find love. I do. A hundred percent. I think in this season, I I don't dislike Lockie. I, I know there's been a lot of controversy online about him and whether he's a good guy or not. Um, I, don't, I can't comment on, comment on that because no. I don't know him. I do feel like he's not actually all in though. No. And I feel like that's making me disconnect a little bit because I don't want to be disappointed by the love story in the end. Yeah, I don't feel invested in his story at all. Um, and I wasn't a Survivor fan. I know you were, and he was great on Survivor, right? But I just feel like, I don't know, there's just a, a wall up or something energetically isn't landing. Yeah. The interesting thing about this series, I think, is that for the first time in a long time, I think there's actually five front-running women. Yes. And usually you, you have one, maybe two. Totally. But there's five women where I'm like, you guys are all pretty great, there and is, I feel yeah. like any of you could win. Yeah, that, and that's the piece that will keep us guessing and keep us tuning in week after week, right? So the producers are doing their job in getting the ratings, and um, I guess I was going to say hashtag watch this space because that's our new catchphrase. <laughs> I think what what has been very disappointing this this sit well, it's all Batchy series. Actually, it's disappointing in the franchise is the level of diversity. Yes. It's been. Very, very, very poor this year. Oh. And as I mentioned, the tokenistic nature of Ariba, the way they've been casting and editing her. But what's even worse, like skin colour is definitely one thing, absolutely. But the amount of blondes in there. It's a joke. It is a joke. I, I literally, like at points, I'm like, they, you all look I the can't exact tell you same. My body shape is not represented. Like no one's body shape is represented unless you're like no. a tall, blonde supermodel. And it's it's so stale and boring and done. And I'm getting really worked up. So I need to stop talking about it because I would just get angry. Yeah. It's really, it's really boring. And I think I really, like I just want series like The Bachelor to get a little bit braver Because I think they'd be surprised by how the ratings would shift with diversity. Like if you look back to the last series of MasterChef, where it was a very, very, very diverse cast and people in the audience, the viewers were feeling so represented by the contestants and how much that boosted ratings on the show. Totally. Age, color of skin, like body shape, height. So why wouldn't that work on The Bachelor? It would work beyond belief. And I think that that's what 2020 is doing in general, isn't it? It's bringing to light all the things that we're kind of over and we're bored and we want change. And The Bachelor is not immune to it. No. And it's disappointing because, you know, like if we look at 
and the series hasn't started yet, but we look at The Bachelorette that's coming up. Yes. With Ellie and her sister. Again, it's two blondes. Two white, blonde, able-bodied women. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up, though, because I think the other show that we did really fall in love with over the break, and I know some of us were watching it on ABC before it hit Netflix, was Love on the Spectrum. Loved it. And that show was such a beautiful display of how you can tell the love stories of people that don't fit into the normal mold. Absolutely. And it was heartwarming and heartfelt and educational and informative and just so beautifully produced and done. I would watch that a thousand times over an episode of The Bachelor. I I loved that show. Love on the Spectrum, guys. There's a bonus record for you. Here's another bonus record. Tell us. Oh, yes. Indian matchmaking. On Netflix, we have been binging it over the last day. It is so great. It's so good. It's so good. It's about this woman who is an Indian matchmaker and she's in America and India. In Mumbai. Yeah. yeah. And she, are you sure it's Mumbai? Yeah, she's Mumbai's biggest matchmaker. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> what a fame. It's amazing. I know. And so it's sort of like arranged marriages, but they actually get to date. Yeah. But it's just very interesting, isn't it's it? It's informative. It's This is the piece where it's like... I, I love to watch TV. No, I don't love to watch TV to disconnect. If I'm watching TV, I actually want to take something out of it. If that's a laugh, if that's making me feel good, or if I'm learning something. I don't want to leave the episode being like, that was just toxic shit. Oh, see, look, I think, I yeah, see, I don't mind watching stuff to escape. Yeah. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening who feel the same. So, so sorry. <laughs> well, this made you feel guilty. Don't. <laughs> so, well, you know what? I used to love Love Island. I don't know what's happened to me recently. Can I just... you not watch Love Island? Well, I mean, it hasn't come out, but oh, I okay. think I might cringe at it now. I don't know. What's wrong with me? I don't know because you've definitely recorded some trashy television. I before. really have, but my tolerance level at the moment is just so low. Maybe you're just feeling super sensitive. I mean, I am. That Pisces full moon got me so good. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. So we had a Pisces full moon. It'll be last week for you guys when you're listening. And it was so interesting as someone who runs courses around the moon and is very interactive with the podcast and everything. Mm. I didn't feel that moon at all. I felt, I didn't feel disconnected from it. I felt it, but I didn't feel an oversurge of emotion. I didn't feel ungrounded. I didn't feel any of those things. You were so solid. I was so solid, but there were lots of people who weren't. And this happens with different moons mm. and, you know, it will absolutely depend on what sign the moon is in at the time totally. and what your personal natal chart is. But also, which I think is interesting is what Holly brought up to me when I was like, am I made of cold hard steel because mm. I'm not feeling anything? She said to me, you've done all the work. And I think this is the thing with working with the moon. It's like if you can throughout each moon that's offering you up a certain energy, harness that energy and release and let go the things that you've been called to at that time, then you don't get this buildup of emotion. 100%. And the thing that was I was really working on and grappling on the morning of the full moon um, it's been coming up for months and months and months and months. And I've been ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. And it's like that had to get to this point of me having this absolutely emotional and stress-fueled breakdown to get the message. So I'm not definitely not blaming the moon. Um, but, yeah, it got me good. got me really good. So if you're feeling gotten good, <laughs> <laughs> the best thing you can do is ask yourself, what was brought up for me? What were the lessons that came from this? 
And what can I do to clear it or deal with it or process it before the next full moon rolls around? Yeah, what's the next full moon? Well, this was Pisces, so it'll be Aries. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we've got a new moon in Virgo next week, and then we've got um, an Aries full moon. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Party and Jordana Levine. Find us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast or find us on Facebook. We've got an active Facebook group and we love all of the messages that you guys write in there. So you just have to search in The Middle Podcast and it should pop up nice and easily. We would love if you shared this episode with your friends. All you need to do is take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories and tag at the underscore middle underscore podcast. Until next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.